are well. Welcome to iDeveloper Live, episode number 58. Oh, 58. And uh, John, it's 58 seems a long way, but you've just told me that three years ago today we were doing what? MDN number three. And I know that from uh, the service called Memo Lane, which uh, will send you an uh, email with your tweets from periods of time ago. So that was the, what I tweeted exactly three years ago today. Wow! So, so three year, three years ago today, we were we were doing MD, MD, MDN show. Were we called then? That's exactly it. Yes, MDN show episode three. It just seems like a lifetime ago, and that means we that was only our third podcast together. So we've only been doing this for three years. So the fact it feels like a lifetime may not be that good for either of us. Then no. Well, I think the you know what a, a tremendous fall from grace we've suffered. We used to be doctors, the Doctor Network, and now we're dirtbag iOS and and. and Mac developers, we are, we are. But um, I reckon I can't remember quite this far back. But um, there was a good chance that somewhere around there, three years ago, there was a certain company that began to sponsor the show. Can you remember who they were? Uh, no, I just have this feeling of love, though. What is it? You do. You, you're love, feeling, the love is growing. You're feeling it's, it's, it's it's remote, but now it's here. Oh, you're such an object, John, because it's REM objects, REM objects, REM objects. Everybody loves REM objects. And they're still our sponsors, but we're not going to have them as a sponsor today. Do you know why, John? Uh, because you managed to hoodwink, I mean, uh, invite them to come on the show. Because they're on the show. Mr. Mark Hoffman, hello. Hi, how are you, Scotty? How are you, John? I'm, yes. I'm dandy. Now that you're here, I'm even dandier. Yeah, we're, we're poor because you're not sponsoring us today because you've turned up. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that. But we do have one show sponsor today, Invasive Code, and uh, we want to thank them for sponsoring us. And we'll talk about them a little bit later on because we still love them as well. Oh, right. Okay, John, you're actually here in the UK. You've been arriving uh, a number of hours ago, but we're still not in the same room together. I know. Well, you know, I can only come so close to you, Scotty. I never can, can be actually absolutely next to you. But uh, I should be asleep, you know, because my mom made a lovely meal of, of, of uh, you know, a, a lamb noisette and some fantastic peas, and, and I had a glass of red wine, and, and I should just basically be on the couch right now sleeping, but instead I thought I would unloose myself, unleash myself on the world. <laughs> Unleashing is better than unloosing. Yes. <laughs> so uh, when, when did you actually land? Uh, about two hours ago. About two hours ago. So that's, uh, that's for, you've got a great mom, haven't you? You landed two hours ago, and she's fed you already. I know, really. Amazing. So you, you're over here for seeing your mom for a bit, and then you're off to Amsterdam, yeah? I am. I'm so looking forward to it. So we, we talked about that a little uh, a little while ago, but um, you've got the, the house swap all sorted out and uh, you know, you're going and you're going to go to spend, how long are you going to spend there? I'll basically be there from the 9th, which is this Monday through the end of July. Um, and uh, actually I have been hosting somebody, so I, I did a house swap with a fellow Amsterdammer, so I welcomed him on Sunday to San Francisco and I managed to organize nice things for him, Sunday streets where they shut down the streets in the neighborhood and we could stroll through the neighborhood you know, unimpeded by, by cars. Um, it was great. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we look forward to that uh, uh, and uh, hearing what you uh, get up to over there and whether the sort of longer working experience lives up to what you're hoping it's going to do. Um, any news this week? Um, I mean, obviously, you had the disaster last week of taking the, uh, the MacBook um, uh, Pro back. I, I got my hands on one of the Retina ones for the first time last night. And I, look, I have to say that screen was beautiful. Um, but, uh, yeah. You're beginning to hear a few people having problems with some of the graphics stuff and the fact that they may be the uh, integrated GP, uh, GPU anyway struggles to keep up. So still fairly happy with the decision to take it back and wait for the, for the first rev? I'm thrilled. I think it's the smartest thing I ever did. I would say that it's clearly somebody was looking out for me. But uh, you asked about news. We, we do have news because as, as time progresses on, we get better and better at measuring things, right? You know, we used to measure things in, in, in foot pounds of, and now we use Newton meters and we used to measure, you know, things like, you know, how little gets done in, in various, whatever measurements we've done. We have a new unit of measure for that, the, 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 the wolf. Do you know what the wolf, the wolf. measures? <laughs> you know what that measures? Um, I, I'm I'm going to let you tell me, John, but I have a good guess. But if I let you tell me, then it's got nothing to do with me, and uh, you are the one totally to blame. <laughs> no, this this is the combined letter section. So we had a nice email from one of our faithful listeners who says, who writes and says. <laughs> 
Just wanted to give you an update. I have made no progress this week, and as such, must be a developer at the same level as Simon was. <laughs> For those who have no idea what you're Simon does our Avtag Diaries. He was in the studio to give the Avtag Diaries last week. We built it up. We built it up. We built it up. It's been a few weeks since the last one. And he basically says, I've done bugger all. <laughs> So we've determined that one Simon Wolf is a week of zero productivity. (laughs) So if you've had a wolf, that means you've done nothing this week. (laughs) There we are. Okay, Simon, we love you. Just because you're not here to defend yourself doesn't mean (laughs) I'm sure he'll be around at some point, and we'll make sure he gets a link to the show. We'll actually give him a link in the show. There we are. One wolf, one wolf. So, um... uh, is this week with a bit of vacation planning to be a wolf for you? Um, well, no, I'm, I'm still doing some some work um, because I, I, I well, uh, I was working on. Uh, oh, <laughs> Simon just joined the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's here now. Everybody, say hello to Simon. <laughs> no, I, I uh, actually uh, I had two two project deadlines last week, which I did hit. But in the world of of entertainment, um, uh, I'm not allowed to say who the client is. And I, but basically, it's an industry where you know last minute schedule changes are the norm, and they can decide that uh, that they can they can you know put things off for two weeks just because they want to. And so there you kind of work yourself to death to, to hit a deadline. Then they say, oh, well, you know what? Uh, we're going to wait another two weeks, which is, you know, it's fine. But uh, I have to say that um, there's something nice about having absolute control over your own schedule. So while, you know, we're, we're, we're taunting poor Simon about it, you know, the, the flip side is, is that he's able to, to make his app, you know, and, and as long as he actually does make forward progress on it, he's able to, to do it at a rational pace, which <laughs> you have to say is good. <laughs> Do you actually think Simon has any control over what he's doing? You naive man. Okay. <laughs> right. There we are. We love Simon. I saw Simon last night. I had curry with Simon last night. We love Simon. Yeah. Simon, we love you. You are wonderful. You are, you allow us, you provide us with hours and hours of entertainment. <laughs> right. Okay. Before this show gets a one star, let's talk about that very quickly. Um, comments and ratings on itunes they really help people find the show um you know new and notable uh, it's all based on the number of comments in the last week or the number of, of ratings um and it would be fantastic if the people listening you could just spend two minutes and go into the itunes store and and just rate the show we read them all We've got a great little um, app called comment cast um which basically goes and looks at all the comments across every uh, country so that i used to have to log into every single country to have a look at the comments which was just took me forever so we didn't um so just general comments about the show that would be great that will help others to find it if you want to say something specific about the show or give us some feedback that you want us to respond to more than just a general statement or comment then please send an email to podcast at ideveloper.tv and that will um will move its way into our nice shiny new support system which i'm going to give a couple more weeks and then maybe we'll talk about uh okay brilliant right um let's i'll tell you what before we move on and, and speak to mark and give him all the run should we do our show sponsor sure okay well these guys uh they came back last week and uh um, they're back for quite a run, actually. They decided, yeah, we want to love you guys for a long time. And um, so Invasive Code. Uh, Invasive Code, they're a, uh, a consulting company. They, they've got a whole bunch of uh, uh, services they do. But what they want us to talk about is their training because they train you to be an iOS developer. Um, this is a time-sensitive ad, this one, because their next training is on July 9th, which is when, John? Because you're going to Amsterdam. It's next it- Monday. Monday. Next Monday. So this has got to be a quick one. Uh, it's a five-day um, course. Uh, it's in Barcelona in Spain. Um, the price is 2,800 euros. But, John, can you remember if you put what in a coupon code, you can get 200 euros off? If you say, I love invasive code, or everybody loves invasive everybody code. Everybody or- loves invasive code. And you can get 200 euros off if when you email them to book. Now, if you miss the 9th of July, they do other courses. I mean, we're not saying this is the one they're going to do forever. Um, but, you know, if, if you've just been thinking about it and you want to get out there, um, 
their five-day course. Now, these guys have uh, great materials. And um, as I said again and again and again, when they used to sponsor, and I think I said again last week, the thing um, that I like really about these guys is it's they don't just try and cram a class with as many people as they can get in it and just, you know, put the, the wads of cash in the bank. They want to give you a, a proper, enjoyable training experience. Um, and so they have small class sizes, uh, which means you get access to the... Um, uh, the trainer equally when they say it's a day's training i mean you know they mean it they they train for seven hours during the day and in fact um you can have a couple of hours on top of that in lab time if you just want to use it to catch up with the materials work with the trainer you know when they're not instructing i mean you know that that's a pretty intense day so i think as far as um your know, training goes you you're going to struggle to find um you know anything of better value than than what invasive code are doing here so you can check them out at invasivecode.com um, you, the note, the links will be in the show notes. Uh, that takes you to their main website, invasivecode.com slash training program HTML will take you to the, uh, um, training page. But again, the links will be in the show notes. Check out the show notes. They're on the iDeveloper TV slash blog, or you can link to it from the episode 58 on the podcast page. And we want to say thank you to Invasive Code. Invasive Code, Invasive Code, Invasive Code. Everybody, Everybody loves, loves Invasive Code. code. Uh, see what you're missing out on today, Mark, and you're not getting you're not getting yeah, this, shame. you're not, you're not getting this love. But you'll be back <laughs> next week. You'll be back next week. Excellent. Okay, let's move on to Mark. Mark is uh, from from Rem Objects, uh, great sponsors of this show. But it would just feel a bit weird for me to have them on talking about their products and us asking questions and then being a the sponsor. People might say, well, you know, they were the sponsor. They paid you to do this, and they hadn't. We genuinely want them on the show because I think the whole stuff that they deal with, with um, remoting and um, uh, uh, three-tier architecture, is uh, something that um, is really good, and we want we want to look at. And I know we've looked at it before with Mark, but it's been a little while ago, so we're going to have a refresh. But we appreciate we may have lots of new listeners by now. So, Mark, just tell us a little bit about yourself first. Okay, well, as I said, I'm, I'm Chief Architect at Remoject Software, and I've been one of the co-founders, and I've been with the company for just about 10 years now, uh, since 2002. Um, a little bit about the companies, we have we do developer products in several different areas and for all kinds of platforms. What The chief of them for you guys, of course, being Xcode and Mac and iOS tools, but we also do stuff for Java developers, .NET and Delphi and JavaScript as well, and some of those intermix, so... Things might be interesting for people working on multiple platforms as well. And I don't know, maybe we get into that when we talk more. But I guess for this show, we want to talk about uh, Mac and iOS, obviously. Um, so the most interesting product for you guys probably is, uh, is Data Abstract, which is basically, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a tool for building multi-tier database applications. Uh, basically, it's, it's a framework for building those. So basically, anytime you build an application where you want to stare, store data somewhere in the cloud, share that between different clients or share it with different users uh, or any of those, that sort of data, data, data abstract is, is something you should look at. And it might be the, 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 the right solution for you to, to solve the problems you, you encounter there. Okay, let, let's start with the very basics here. We, we don't want to um, you know, treat anybody like children, but you know, um, depending on which background you come from, some of those terms you use there may or may not make sense. So let's of course, um, yeah. let's let's start with this whole concept of you know you said multi tier. If you want to do multi tier development, what are we talking about when we talk about multi tier? Well, the the idea is, I mean, traditionally, like I don't know, let's go back twenty years ago. If you have written, if you were, were to set out to write a database application, basically you'd you'd write your application and you would talk straight to your database, right? So you'd, you'd connect to your Oracle server or SQL server or MySQL or whatever else is out there. But I mean, especially for mobile devices, but also in other scenarios, that's not really feasible anymore because you don't really want to open your database to the world and then have clients talk directly to it, right? So the concept of multi-tier really is that, that you have sort of separate tiers that separate the data access. So you have the client tier is the application that your user uses, be it on your Mac, on your iPhone, on your Windows PC or whatnot. And then you have a, a middle tier that sort of acts as a gatekeeper and controls the access to the actual database. So the client applications don't get full access to your database. The client applications talk to your middle, middle tier sorry, middle tier, and then the middle tier gets control over what data the client sees, what data the client can I don't know, modify, how it can modify it, and then all those those sort of things. It basically helps keep the data intact. Okay, so I mean, one of the things you've just made then is security to your data 
um, being managed by a third party or third, yeah, when I say third party or third tier is, uh, is one of the benefits. Are there any other benefits for looking at multi-tier? Well, it's, it's, it's mainly security and, and scalability. So, I mean, you, you don't like, I mean, you want to scale your application so you have like millions of clients running potentially, right? And you don't want all of those connecting to your database server directly and you know, using the precious database connections that you might be paying for individually. Like you might have licensed the Oracle server for a thousand connections and then with a thousand, the first client connects and gets a, no connections available and things like that. And basically a multi-tier approach helps you mitigate that by, again, by routing everything through the gatekeeper, which could be multiple servers. You could spread the load and, Basically, the server tier can take care, take care of all the, all the logic and the infrastructure for that for you. I mean, is there anything about it? I mean, I know uh, a client-server connection is, um, you know, the connection between an Oracle database or a MySQL database, you know, they were never intended to be used over low-bandwidth um, connections. So um, I'm guessing the the protocols you use to talk to the middle tier, your, your server have been designed to be... Yeah, more efficient maybe or less bandwidth intensive because your this stuff is designed to connect across the internet or whatever else whereas you know the actual oracle drivers or sql server drivers or mysql drivers were never intended to be working across those low bandwidth connections exactly yeah that, that, that's definitely another factor i mean obviously I mean, this is changing as, as, as databases get like more modern apis to connect to them but yeah i mean most of those apis really i know date back quite a few years and weren't really designed for for working over low bandwidth or like connections that could just break in the middle uh, of your transaction and things like that. Yeah. So th- that's definitely another factor as well. Okay. So uh, there's the first advantage of multi-tier is security, scalability, uh, low bandwidth usage. Um, okay. Yeah, so- and then another factor is, I guess, I mean, for, for, for some databases, you might not even actually have drivers to connect to the database, right? Like, for example, I'm, I'm not sure if there's actual Oracle drivers you could install, you can put on your iPhone alongside your app, they would talk to an Oracle server. And this, the same might be the case for other databases. So in this case, you might actually not be able to, to write a client for the iPhone, even if you wanted to, that connects straight to a specific database. All right, okay. So because if we, people go through your stuff back to a server that does have drivers through to the database, they can access enterprise data and all that sort of stuff. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, we're looking at the, those things. And now that's... Um, your product is called Data Abstract that does this stuff, and you also talk about the REM Objects SDK. Now, we talk about both of those uh, when you sponsor this. So, um, and I know that Data Abstracts includes the REM Objects SDK. So, can you give us a little bit of clarity of what we're talking about when we talk about those two things? Sure, yeah. So, so basically, the REM Objects SDK is sort of the the, 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 the foundation layer and, and it takes care of, of, of the communication layer. So basically we have building blocks for creating servers and clients that, that are able to, to send messages back and forth and, and, and talk to each other. And the SDK doesn't really know anything about databases per se. So you would use it to, to build any kind of web service, uh, where you want to ex- exchange information or like perform some, some sort of action on the server and so forth. And then basically data abstract sits on top of that. And builds in all the all the database infrastructure. Right. So if I just wanted to write something that was uh, uh, where a client on my 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 Mac laptop or my iPhone just spoke um, to uh, some sort of server to do something where I just need the rem, I could just use the rem objects SDK. Data Abstract gives me all the stuff with databases, and it gives me the stuff with briefcasing. Exactly. Yeah. And what's briefcasing? Well, but, but, but briefcasing is basically part of the database aspect, isn't that it's a uh, um, I mean, especially with mobile devices like iPhones and iPads, you, you can't always rely on being connected, right? So what you want to be able to do is have your client connect to, to the server at some stage and get the data, but then your user wants to be able to work with that data while they might be offline. I mean, they, they might be driving into a tunnel, they might be getting on a plane, and they still want to keep working, make changes to that data. And obviously, they might want to close your app and come back to it later. So you got to have a method to sort of take the data and take the changes the user made and save them locally and at a later time load them back up and, and then let the user apply those changes back to the server if, they, if he wants to. Okay, so data abstract then, I'm going to use terms here that you feel free to correct me. So not only does data abstract deal with the, um, you know, this multi-tier stuff of talking back to the server and getting the data and all that sort of stuff, it effectively provides 
what I'm going to call a syncing model that you can keep the data locally, do some work on it, and it will then sync it back next time you connect and, and all that sort of stuff. So unlike if we were just connecting to um, one of these cloud storage systems that has APIs and, and REST um, uh, and, and, and RESTful um, protocols, you know, data abstractors allow me to keep the data locally and, and then just sort of, you know, refresh it when I need to in whatever else as well. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so I want to use this stuff in, um, in maybe my iPhone or, or, or Mac app because actually, um, you know, the stuff out of the box for, um, for Xcode and in whatever else, if you're producing a single user app, um, and involves data, then really, you know, the majority of people are going to go for, um, you know, core data. Uh, right. probably with a SQLite background because it's nice and easy. It's really fast. Um, and, and for 99% of jobs, it just does it. Now, even the people who don't go for core data tend to go for something like SQLite, um, and just access it directly. But, you know, this stuff is, is really dealing with single user, um, uh, accounts. And, and if anything time we talk syncing, it's normally talk about syncing that single user data, um, between that user's devices. Right. Um, what, well, I mean, I mean, I, I guess core data, and I mean, they have core data on, on iCloud now as well. I mean, when you raise one point, I mean, it's, it's, it's single user, but it also is, is, it, it keeps your data tight within, within the, the, the scope of, of, of your application, right? So there's no way for you to get the data, say, from an Android client you're also writing, or from a website, or from, oh, from, from any other, other means, really, right? So, so if the user puts this data in, in core data, it's really just on the one device, and if you if you expand that using core data with iCloud, then it's still just in that one user's iCloud account, and and no one else can get to the data. Which I mean is a good thing in the sense no one else can get to it. But if the same user like that wants to access it from from a different application that isn't part of iCloud, then he can't get to that. Right. That's I mean those are points that I'd not necessarily thought of, but um. Yeah, I find the whole Mac and iPhone uh, thing that in the moment you want to write something um, uh, that's maybe more traditionally seen as a, as a multi-user system. Um, I mean, let's take an example. We're trying to, we're looking at different uh, conference management systems um, here at iDeveloper TV at the moment. And yeah, we'd love it that three or four people could be looking at the conference data and updating it on their machines and it's all staying in sync. And we're looking for a more you know, traditional multi-user system. And that whole experience... Um, if you're looking at when you fire up Xcode, there's no begin multi-user system <laughs> um, uh, template or there's no sort of a, a library there. It's pretty much um, you're on your own now. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think something that's uh, about REM objects that, that, that talks to me or the data abstract is, is not only does it do this, this, this stuff for us, but it's definitely a... Um, a way of entering into a multi, even if we're not going to do this stuff across the internet, um, and we just want to use it within an office, um, you know, Realm Objects is, is here giving us a whole bunch of stuff that's going to give us access to multi-user database, databases? What's a database? <laughs> <laughs> database, database, without having to start getting into all the client server, you know, the MySQL API or whatever else to do this stuff. So, yeah, right. even if the multi-tier stuff isn't necessary for us, there, there is actually an aspect of you know, we can use data abstracts to get to, to multi-user stuff. Right, yeah. So I mean, the, the way I see it, I mean, the thing that is multi-tier is really just an implementation detail. I mean, and to be honest, at, at this day and age, that's really just just how you do it. So I wouldn't really consider the selling point for DA that that's just what it is. And like any serious data access that goes beyond, I am storing data locally on my thing here, uh, really, really should use the multi-tier approach to begin with. And then data abstractors happens to be obviously one solution that we think is pretty good for doing it. Okay, so I want, I want to produce uh, a multi-user or a um, you know, or remote um, you know, work with remote data. One of those or both of those, it doesn't really matter. And I've um, decided to um, download the uh, data abstract um, trial version. Um, Excellent. And uh, that's good. And um, uh, I've downloaded it and it has an installer um, that's a question mark at the end of the word it, it does yeah 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 so, so basically there's an installer so you get uh i mean obviously with the trial run you get, you get the source code but you get the frameworks to link against you get sample projects uh we get documentation online in our wiki on the website um you get sample projects uh that, that help you get started with different features 
Okay, so now I'm ready and I've downloaded it, I've installed it, and I'm gonna start my new multi-user application and I do Xcode and I do new project. And if my understanding is correct, um, there should be some templates in there for me to now use. Exactly, yeah. So basically we have, we have templates, one for iPhone, one for well, iPhone, iPad, uh, one for, for the Mac that basically gives sort of a, a basic skeleton of what, what your application might look like and sort of gives you some, some basic building blocks of, of where to get started with the classes you need to, to connect to your server um, and, and, and hand, handle all the necessary details. And mind you, I mean, it's not like there really is it's a lot to set up. I mean, you can literally like instantiate a class, call a couple of methods on it, and you got data from your server. But the template just sort of rounds it up for you and, and gives you some sort of I don't know, design principles that, that we have found work well in like how you want to set up notifications between your data layer on the client with to your UI layer and things like that. But, but these are really just like ideas for how you could go. I mean, you could, you could take an existing application and just, just add those couple, couple classes to it and, and start from scratch just as easily. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this sort of stuff might be very new for some people or, you know, we've only used the core data stuff. You know, um, if I'm going to be using something like, um, you know, data abstract in my application, you know, how am I going to be expecting to use data? You know, what am I going to be doing? What, you know, you said a couple of classes. Am I, um, you know, am I having a, a data model like I do in, in core data? Am I, you know, going to use bindings? Can I, you know, um, how am I getting data in the first place? What, you know, yeah. just, can you just talk to us a little bit about what I should expect to be doing as a developer in order to access data, save data, that sort of stuff? Sure. Yeah. So, so, so first of all, data abstract is, is based more on the, on the more traditional database access model. So you really, you think in terms of this is my database. These, are the, these, are the tables I have. So, so it's not an ORM in that it, takes an object graph and, and sort of fits that into a database. It, it takes a database you have, and then you access that thinking of it as, as the database. So, so, so basically the way it works, we have, we have, a, we have a class that we call the remote data adapter. That, that's basically your central hub that, that connects you to your server. So, so you, you set that up once, you basically you create the class and say, hey, this is the address of my server. You might set a couple of parameters like I don't know, how you want to connect to it and things like that. And, and then you just go on and say, I don't know, give me this table or give me these tables. Or give me, I don't know, this, this set of fields from this table with this, con with, with, with this condition. So you can actually use SQL code on the client. And we can talk about that more later, uh, how that works. And you can just, I don't know, basically fetch the data. And what you get back is a, is a DA data table object that pretty much works like a, I mean, it works comparable to an, to an NS array with NS dictionaries. So you have, you have your list of rows. You can sort them, filter them using NS predicates on the client if you want to. And you can, you can access the individual rows using standard uh, key value observing data bindings and any of those things. So in my, you said it was a DA data table or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In there, I mean, you know, so, um, I mean, in core data, when I'm accessing a field or whatever else, I, yeah, there, I have data types, you know, so what's, what sort of data types am I working with in there? Is am I limited? Is it, you know, what, how, how are you doing data types? Well, pretty much any data type you can store in a database we support. I mean, from obviously the, the simple types, like different, I don't know, types of numbers, strings, binaries, uh, GUIDs, things like that. I mean, pretty much anything you can fit in the database, uh, DA supports. I mean, mind you, I mean, if you go out looking for some obscure database, maybe it has a weird doohickey data tape that we haven't looked at yet. But in, in, in general, any kind of re regular data type that, that goes into database, you, you, you can use pretty seamlessly. I have a question. Okay. Fire away, okay, John. So this basically, this supposes that you, you're, you're comfortable with SQL, which, which I think many people who have been doing this for a while are, are and, and, and core data seems to basically say, yes, with the fact that we use a SQL database underneath it, it's just an implementation detail. You shouldn't really know anything about it. Yeah. Um, so, but you, so which databases do you have adapters for right now? And then, for, and, and second question is, you know, do you only support kind of what, what is the, the common denominator between them? Or if you're using, I don't know, Oracle and it has a full text option, you, know, you can access that as if you were talking directly to it. Um, okay. For first thing, for, first of all, you, you can use SQL, but you, but you don't need to. I mean, you can. I mean, for for lots of things, you can go perfectly. You can get along perfectly well getting data out of your database without ever writing a SQL statement. But if if you want to, you can either on the server to really fine tune how you talk to the Oracle server, or on the client just to sort of write a generic SQL uh, select statement to get just the subset of data you want. So you have the flexibility, but you don't need to uh, use. Uh, you don't need to write SQL if you don't want to. Ah. 
Um, as far as databases go, go that we support, uh, I'd say which, which which don't we support? I think we, we pretty much support any any of the names you can come up with right now, and it's it's really easy. I mean, matter of like I don't know, adding a couple of keys uh, to a config file on the server to add support for additional data uh, database backends. Like I don't know if I don't know, Apple comes out with a new re- relational database server next week, which I doubt they will. But. Yeah. FileMaker and iCloud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. So we've we've got this um, uh, DA data table um, object, which um, is I, I guess if you're coming from some of the other platforms, you know that might be a, 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 a like if you're used to using something like ADO um, on on .NET or something like that. This concept of having a data table is 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 probably fairly comfortable. It's maybe not quite as familiar for iOS and. OS 10, right, yeah. 10 users. Um, and so I want to change some of that data. I want to edit some of that data. So uh, am I just changing the data that's in this data table object? Is, you know, am I just changing values or am I having to um, take those values and call an API? How does that, all that stuff work? Well, as I said, I mean, basically the, the, the data table itself, it's, it, it, it's fully KVO compliant. So you can just, if you got it, you can uh, loop over your rows. You can just change the fields using set value for key or using, again, using data binding to hook them up to your UI. And, and, and basically the data table keeps track of all those changes locally to begin with. I mean, as we talked about before, I mean, your, your, your user might be going offline, uh, and, and keep working. So, so to begin with, the first step is when you're editing data is it's going to be the change. It's going to keep track of the changes locally. And then at some stage, which, I mean, depending on how you design your application might be right away or might be five hours later. You can then say, hey, those changes remain, remember, send those up to the server. And then they'll go, they go up to the server. The server is going to do its magic to resolve them back into the database, send you back any uh, conflicts or whatever might have gone wrong. Hopefully nothing did. And, and, and then basically the, the client forgets that those changes were changes and it just becomes part of the regular data. So uh, curiosity, so wh- how do you store the data when it's on the client and, and you're offline? Do you have a little uh, local SQL-like database for doing that, or, or some other? Well, basically, we got our own data store uh, that, that we use to store it. Mm. Both uh, when it's in memory, when you're working with the table, and if you persist into the briefcase. Thanks. Okay, so um, when I when I save data back, um, do I? Okay, when I when I use uh, Core Data, I just save the data store, and it just saves everything that I've changed and. If I've done millions of changes since last time and one of them's broken, then the whole save changes. Um, so what, what, what paradigm does, does, uh, the, the, the data abstract stuff use? If I, you know, when I'm, I've saved all my changes locally or I've done the edits locally and now I want to update the, the database. Um, is it that point all the validation gets done like core data? Is it normal or nothing? Do I have to save a table at a time? How does all that stuff work? Well, I mean, first of all, you, you, you can apply the changes whenever you want. So you can let the user make five changes and then send them up, or you can make them, have them make one change and send it up right away. I mean, that, that, that's pretty much as it. That sort of depends on how you, how you see your, your application working. Like, I mean, you could design the application that the user doesn't really notice that it's offline because the application is designed to whenever you make the change, you send it right back to the server. Or you could make the application that the user downloads the data and then he doesn't care about the connection and then like maybe have a button to send, send the data back. I mean, that's really, really up to you. Um, but, but as I said, basically the data tables keep track of, of each individual change. So whenever you say apply those changes, whatever changes are in the, in the change log, so to speak, get sent to the server. And, and you can control on the server how how you want those changes to be handled, if you want them to be in one transaction, meaning they're all going to apply or they're all going to fail, or if you want each of them to be applied separately. And, and, and again, that really depends on what, what kind of, like, it depends on the logic behind what you're doing, right? Like, if, if logically the three changes you let the user do, in, in your mind, they form a transaction and you want them to either, either be all applied or none, then you would tell your server apply them all or, or fail them all. But if they're really separate, separate changes, like, I don't say you're writing your conference application and you may change to three different sessions, then if one of those changes fails, then there's really no good reason why the others two should fail too, right? And so you could f- configure it away saying, oh, those are separate changes. Just try all of them and, and just fail those that, that, that did fail. And, and what happens is if, it, if a change does fail, then you, you basically, you get callbacks on the client side that, where you can decide how to handle that change. You can 
provide a UI to the to, to the user asking, hey, this didn't work, someone else changed that address, what do you want to do? Or you can handle it on your own inside the code, or you can just know, discard the change. I mean, again, that, that really depends on how you solve that really depends on how, how, how you want the, how you want this experience to work and how your, how your changes are, are seen by the user. So it, sounds, that makes so it sense. sounds to me like basically you're saying this is really flexible. You can figure it how you want it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, now, uh, I, I guess, um, let's have a bit of a chat about the server stuff because I mean, all of the, all, all of the client stuff that we've used so far, um, is, is native cocoa. I mean, are we using some sort of third, you know, some weird library or are we, we're native cocoa. Yeah. Exactly. It, 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 it's all written from the ground up using Objective-C, yes. And if you, if you buy the product, you get the full source code to it as well. So if you're like, I know, you don't like something we did, you can go in and change it. Or if we don't fix the bug fast enough for you. You could check. Okay. So, but server side, um, uh, the servers, you, you, can you run a server on a Mac? I, I know we, um, you know, We've said in the advertisements for them that the, you know, the server side isn't Xcode based in Objective C, and it's it's based on other stuff. So, just explain a little bit about this: the middle tier, the bit we did look to develop the middle tier in, because um, I know there are several options. You can just have the out of the box middle tier that does stuff, or you can develop your own middle tier. So, just talk us through a little bit of that a bit. Exactly, sure. So, so I mean, I, I, I talked before about how we'd have different implementations on different platforms, right? So, basically, we have we have Delphi.net. Xcode and the news version is Java that we're working on. Oh, and we got JavaScript as well. And, and those are all completely native to their platform re-implementations of basically the same idea, but written for the platform in mind. Just, just I mean, just like the Xcode version is written specifically for Xcode, the Java one is designed for how Java developers would want it to look like, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and what we do is we have clients for all for five platforms, but we don't really have servers for all of them. I mean, because Let's face it, not really many people want to write the server, the middle tier server using Xcode, frankly, because most people don't have Xserves, right? I mean, you can't even buy them these days anymore. So most people want to have something they can host on, on Linux or on Windows servers, I mean, hopefully Linux. Um, but so, so, so basically what, what we have is we have, you can, you can build your own servers if you have the additions for either Delphi or .NET. And we sort of have a prepackaged server, which I think is probably the most interesting to to, to Xcode developers uh, that you can use to, to to build your middle tier without having to learn any of the other platforms to, to write code in, really. And and uh, I'm I'm curious about that a little bit. So that's something. What does that mean? Is like an installer package for a particular flavor of Linux, or have you done things like uh, pre-configured, you know, slices on on I don't know uh, on, a, on a virtualization service like? Do we? Wouldn't say Amazon, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically just a service that yeah. you can install on either your Windows or your or your, your Linux machine, and, and it, it runs on Mac OS too. So, so if you do have a, a a Mac server somewhere, or if you just would like run it for for testing on your Mac locally, then that of course works as well. Right. And, and and what that basically is is what we basically we we, we took like. I mean, again, we said we have versions in .NET and Delphi where you can write your own server. So what we basically did is we went, we did what someone would do if they wrote their own server in .NET, and then we made that configurable. So all the stuff that really matters for setting up your own middle tier, like deciding what database to talk to, how to talk to it, defining the tables, defining the business logic, all that stuff is extracted. So you don't have to build your own .NET server that does it. But but it, it's it's a pre pre built executable you can just deploy and then you can connect to it with our configuration tool and just and, and just configure it as you please set up database connections set up the schema for how you want to talk to data tables you can write your business logic in JavaScript uh, and things like that. So it, it, the history of your company though is that you guys come pretty squarely out of the enterprise software development world. Is that fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, our, our, the, the, the biggest, the, the biggest user base for the kind of uh, frameworks we do definitely is enterprise developers. Yeah, but 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 that said, I mean, with I mean these these days, which which I know which iPhone application doesn't talk to the network in some states? Well, yeah, I mean, you really can't have a useful application that doesn't. So I, I'm I'm just I'm curious for 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 people who say, 
uh, you know, that, that if you want us to support multiple clients on different platforms, you know, already a, 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 an Apple only solution like iCloud is just a non-option for you. But, yeah. but then you have to say, okay, but I don't necessarily know a ton about bringing up a, you know, a middle tier service, a middle tier service and, and bringing up a, an Oracle or, you know, or, or, you know, MySQL server. Have you seen any demand for people saying, well, how do I get started with this or anything that says, here's a, here's a cloud service that, that, you know, you can pay whatever amount of money to, to, for different types of database backends and have something that's kind of already running for you? Or is that, it's not... It's definitely something we're looking at, like sort of having like a like a ready-made EC2 machine. Right. You can just either rent from us or you can just get it from us and, and host it on your in your own uh, EC2 setup or whatever. But but to, to be honest, uh, it's not like we have huge amounts of people saying, "Hey, I can't set up my my SQL. Right. How do I do this?" Mm-hmm. So since most people figure that out one way or another. Um, plus, I mean, mo- I mean, most servers you get these days, like. Go to any hoster and say, "Hey, I want this Linux box for twenty bucks." I mean, they they come with MySQL already installed, right? Right. Or right. Postgres or, or on Windows, they have I know SQL Server Express Edition and, and things like that. So, so the amount of, of work needed to to run your your scripts or your installer on top of uh, that type of baseline machine is just tiny. It sounds like that exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's basically install the server. Relativity server is the what we call the the, the prepackaged server. So you basically install it and then you use. The, the the client tool we ship with with the, with uh, with data apps. So you just connect and say, hey, set up this database connection. These are the tables I want to expose. These are the rules, uh, and, and then you pretty much set. And and what about things like you know schema migrations or something? So you update something on the server, and now I need to get something you know something new on the on the client. Are there any tools for for helping with that? Not 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 tools specifically, as in like something specifically that like. Helps you migrate that, but but in 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 practice, we don't really see that being a huge problem because I mean you, you can always expand the database by like adding fields or adding tables, and if the older clients don't care about those field those tables or fields, they just don't they don't just, just don't request them, right? Or even if they they do request them, like if they say give me the whole table, then they might get the fields, but they don't care that the extra fields are there because it's not going to break them. So it's it's not really as hard a relationship between your code and and like the binary data that comes down, as, 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 as might be the case with, with core data, where like you had a field and suddenly you're like, your classes don't really match with right, right. what it's what it's like trying to new up there anymore. Okay, so the, the server stuff, it sounds like, yeah, because of this um, relatively server that you've created now, um, meaning you don't have to develop one, you don't have to fire up .NET or whatever you develop other stuff in, um, yeah, Visual Studio or any of that. Um, but what about for, what about for me as a Mac developer uh, testing this stuff? I mean, um, it's is it possible for me to, to, to run a server on my laptop in any way at all to do testing and whatever before I, I start, or do I have to do my testing straight away out upon Linux or whatever else? No, sure. You, 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 I mean, as I said, I mean, relativity server runs pretty much anywhere. So any Windows machine, Linux machine, or macOS machine, be it server or be it your your local MacBook, uh, you can just install it and run it and. Okay, so as, I mean, obviously, you're going to need your database there too, right? So, so as long as I'm using Relativity Server and don't need um, to develop my own um, middle tier, then I can run it anywhere. If I need to develop my own middle tier, I have to start doing that in, in other places, yes? Because right, I, can't, yeah. I can't do that on my Mac. But, but, but then, I mean, even if you say, like, say, say you are, like, a, you used to be a .NET developer and you know your, your way around, and for some reason you decide, hey, I, I want to do, I, I want to build my own middle tier server project, uh, then you can you can still run that on on Mac or Linux using using Mono. Okay, so it's all everything. Uh, the middle tier is used is done in Mono, which is basically for those who don't know a cross platform um, migration of the .NET frameworks from Windows. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if you really want to get into Mono development, you can run it anywhere as long as you're prepared to write in Mono code, C sharp or or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean that that sounds uh, really cool. So, what are the gotchas about um, you know for someone looking to move away from you know maybe doing single single client development into this more enterprisey stuff? Although I, I I call it enterprisey, but there's loads of businesses that need sort of you know two or three clients accessing the same data, and that's not enterprise, is it? That's you know that's still mom and pop stuff. I think there's yeah, I mean, a I mean, lot of opportunities. It, I, mean, right I, mean, there. I think I mean not not, every, not not literally every, but I think I think most applications being built today. I mean. 
need, need, need some kind of functionality where you talk to, to data that isn't just, just your data, right? I mean, so say you're building the new, the new Facebook or say you're, you're building your, con again, your, your conference application. You have one set of data that you want to share with all the customers, right? And you, 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 might, you might have like certain islands of data that are specific to certain clients but, or customers, but, but you still have like a huge amount of data that is just shared or you want to oh, user A to be able to, in, to insert data that user B can see. And, and, and all of this is where basically iCloud uh, with core data falls apart because every, every single instance is their own island unto itself, right? So, so what are the gotchas, man? I mean, this all sounds great, and I want to do this. I mean, you know, what are the gotchas? What are the downsides of taking a path like this? You know, even if I was just thinking of doing this speculatively, you know, what are what are the downsides? What are the things I need to be aware of, and in, in whatever if I'm going to go this way? Well, I mean, one one downside, I guess, is that you do have to host something on your own, right? I mean, even if it's just booting up an EC2 machine or something or getting, getting a cheap Linux host somewhere for, for 20 bucks. Uh, it's, it, it's something on the server side that, that, that you have to take care of. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, is it, I don't think there's really a way around that, right? So if you do need that kind of functionality, then whether you use data abstract or not, you just have to get ready for the idea that you're going to have to administer some sort of server, right? Um, and I, 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 I guess another downside compared to core data, at least, would be that, I mean, as I said before, I mean, core data certainly has a, I don't want to say nicer, but a, a more like novice user-friendly API and that you really work with objects and core data takes care of storing the whole thing in, into, in, its, in its database back and for you and getting it back out. Um, so, like, if you're really completely new database and don't have any idea how to do any of this, then core data might, might, might look like an easier way to get started, right? Yeah, it's probably an easier way to get started, but then you start running into gotchas a little bit further down the road. So it's, it's kind of... Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I mean, to be honest, I, mean, I don't want to like co complain too much about core data. I mean, frankly, I never really used much. Um, but I, know, I don't know if you guys have seen that Drew McCormack recently had a series of articles about uh, using core data with iCloud and like all the sorts of gotchas of what happens like if the user disables iCloud on this device and then re-enables on the other and then changes get lost and, and, and what sort of things. So that's, it's not like core data is all easy sailing either, right? No, but it's a different thing. I mean, because I'm old enough to have worked with the kind of the precursor of, of core data, which is this thing called Enterprise Objects Framework that was made by Next. And it was multi-user access to, 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 to big databases. And, mm -hmm. and so it was a whole different world. They made the conscious decision when they went to create core data that they weren't even going to try and solve that problem. There were tons of people who said, you know, I, I, I want to build an enterprise application, but I need multi-user access to the to, to a single database. And they said that, that Apple just has never been interested in solving that problem. So right. I, I've, I guess my last question is, 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 can you share any kind of interesting you know, client success stories in the iOS or Mac world or, or, or interesting things that were, that surprised you? I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, kind of, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a fortune, you know, 100 company that you're talking to. I mean, have you done anything where, I don't know, somebody had a, a custom dental office management software and, and, and you were able to connect to it or something along those lines, something unusual? Right. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned dental office because actually one, one of our uh, our good customers and, and a good friend of mine actually he, uh, does, uh, they, they write software for, for doctors in the UK um, and they have like a range of, of, of applications for iPad and iPhone where like, like doctors can go out in the field and, and access all the, all the patient data on their iPads and, 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 and show to the, to the clients and things like that. And, and, and that, that's built on DA. I mean, but then, I mean, that's still sort of, it's like an enterprisey kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, maybe as, a, as, a, as a less enterprisey uh, example, we, we had a case study, I think half a year ago or a year ago, um, where basically someone wrote like a sort of like a, I hate to step in the back by saying this, like a one password kind of service. Mm. So basically it's something where you have a client on your iPhone and on other platforms as well, where you would store your data, you store your passwords, uh, so you can sync between devices and don't have to remember the same password for all the websites. Um, and then they, they, they built that using data abstract. And then because of the different platforms, they could very easily do a version for Windows Phone and for Windows and for Android. I think they have a version now. And I mean, maybe that, that, that's something we did. I didn't really go into detail before, but as I said before, I mean, all, all those different platforms, they're, they're all implemented from scratch for the different platforms, but, 
but they still use the same wire protocol, right? So, so once you got your server set up and you got, say, you get your iPhone client run, ready to ready to go, you can very easily go and I don't know, write a, write an Android application that, that talks to the same server without really having to reinvent the entire wheel, right? Because <coughs> All the infrastructure you build up on the server side and, and the, the, the database schemas, the, the 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 way you expose the data, all of that is compatible between the different platforms. So you can just go ahead and write a, write a different client for a different platform. Yeah, and I guess this is a way that you can provide someone, um, you know, access to their data on all those different platforms at the same time because you say you're talking to the same database. You're not using some. Uh, third-party service that can only be accessed by that particular provider. Um, exactly. Although I, I know there are other third-party sort of REST API-based um, uh, data storage systems out there. The fact that you know there's about three arriving every week. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, the, and, and yeah, in the future we're probably going to look at some of them because those are probably for some things that people want to do incredibly useful, incredibly good. But if you want uh, to be using the offline data aspect as well, then obviously you yeah. know those things are no good to you and data abstract is um, as far as I'm aware one of the only things out there that will sort of you know do 90% of the steps for you otherwise you're on your own basically right yeah and I think the key thing to remind us that, that basically I mean not on, not on iOS specifically obviously but we've basically been doing this for 10 years right so even though the iOS version of data or the, the Xcode version of data abstract is again built from, from the ground up in, Xcode, in, in, in Objective-C and Xcode it's still built on at, at that time, seven or six or seven years of experience for for how to how to architect this sort of thing, right? So in in ways, it's I, I used to say it's it's our best version, the Xcode version, because it was the last one we did until we added Java uh, earlier this year. Uh, basically, because we could build up on all the experience on, on on doing it first for Delphi, and then two years later doing it for .NET, and then another three years or years later doing it in Xcode. We could start from scratch, but we had all the knowledge, like like what can go wrong, what are the sort of things you need to look out for, um, and all all the different caveats of like you don't even think of until they happen, right? Okay, so um, let's uh, let's deal with some nitty gritty then. Um, I've decided I want to try this. Um, we've mentioned there's a trial, so that's that's good, um, and so I'm trying this out and uh, uh, it's using it, and then. I've decided that uh, I want this and I'm going to buy. What's it going to cost me? Uh, it's $8.99 uh, as a developer license. And that, that gives you the product, the library with full source code, one year of free upgrades, uh, including major versions and new features and everything. And there's no deployment fees right, of, of, of any kind. Basically, you build your app, but you don't pay anything for, for, for deploying the app, including deploying the server either. Okay, so that's eight ninety nine. That's in eight hundred and ninety nine, not eight dollars and ninety nine cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> just, just, but that's just, such a no brainer cost. I mean, anybody who's thinking, "Oh, that's expensive. That's ridiculous." I mean, you could easily spend four, five, six, seven, ten, fifteen days working on this. And if your time, if if you are a professional and you you charge your clients any amount of money, this is this is not even a rounding error. Trust me, you're going to spend more than 15 days. I know. Well, I, I know. I mean, as I'm saying, it's like I, I can't even imagine anything even the minimum, and, and I feel pretty experienced with this kind of stuff so i mean i i yeah not not on the mac platform but i have spent uh, in the last 20 years i have probably developed uh three if not four sort of remoting based data frameworks for specific software on, on different platforms and um you know it always the case is you know often against my advice still doing it um and and often you know sort of six nine months 12 months later you're still trying to iron out fairly you know some fairly um uh simple problems uh yeah or, or fundamental I mean, it, problems. it, it I think, seems you know, so simple right i mean you just get the data and you like display it, right what could go wrong <laughs> when, when someone says to me when Nothing. someone says to me this stuff's been running for 10 years and we've been ironing out the problems and, and, and making it work you know that's you know from my experience it's yeah 899 dollars is um although it's it's i just looked at your website if you only want the remoting talking to different objects remotely that's only 3.99 so there we are that's even cheaper um but the data abstract stuff yeah it, it's yeah guys you know we're going out there as ios developers and you know charging 100 or 150 bucks an hour i mean so you know, we're talking sort of six seven hours worth of, of, of fees here to 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 do stuff and so um Unfortunately, I think this is a problem in the, in the Mac and iOS world. We don't like paying for things uh, at all. Um, you know, we, 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 we raise our eyebrows over a 29.99, you know, tool, uh, that helps us. But, uh, you know, so when we see 8.99, I think, you know, people just, um, 
yeah, just move on. But if you, I, I, all I would say was stop and think. If you need to do something of this nature, if you need to do something that's multi, um, multi-user and uh, briefcased and disconnected, you know, you ain't going to develop this cheaper. Now, I said we weren't going to do a sponsorship slot, but that's it. I said that because that was quite promoting, wasn't it? Yeah, anyway, I've just sponsored you. <laughs> oh, dear. There we are. Okay, Mark, anything else you want to tell us about the, the RemObject stuff or the data abstract stuff before before we move on? If you know, Is there anything you sat there? I wish these guys would ask me this question because I could tell them about this good bit. Okay. It seems that I have... Uh, uh, I've lost the connection. Um, okay, so uh, that's why they weren't commenting on my uh, on my um, thing. So uh, we're just going to try and reconnect the call. So just bear with us for one moment. Now you can hear the call going. And uh, hello out there. I don't know at what point during my fabulous promotion of um, rim objects you all disappeared. Hello. Hello. So you still missed me and we've lost Mark altogether. Yeah. I will never, don't ever, don't ever ask what could go wrong because that was exactly the time when it dropped out. Yeah. Was it? I mean, the the listeners have been enjoying my um, eloquent um, promotion of this uh, this sort of stuff. And I was just waiting for um, yours and Mark's round of applause at the end. Um, And then it was only then... um, uh, I realize you're gone. Now we don't yet have Mark back on the call. So I'm going to, um, have to suggest. Hey, I'm back. Ah, hey. Mark is back on the call. Uh, Mark, hey. I've just done a fantastic sponsorship job for you, even though I said I wasn't going to today and you weren't even here to hear it. <laughs> well, I guess I have to listen to the podcast, right? Okay. My, my, my question where I've suddenly realized that, um, you weren't there, um, is when I actually stopped listening to my own voice and enjoying who I was. Um, and I asked you, is there anything else that you really would like to tell us about data abstract or, uh, or the REM objects SDK? Um, because we've not asked you the right question to draw that out. And you're thinking, I must tell them about this. I think we covered pretty much all the, all the really important stuff. Um, maybe one thing to talk about is uh, what we call DA SQL. I mean, I mentioned this briefly before how you can, if you want to, you can write SQL code on the client to, to like really specify what kind of data you want to fetch. Like maybe you don't want to fetch this whole table. You want to like write a where clause or you want to select specific set of fields to get a smaller set of data. Right. And, and the, the first thing you're thinking, if you know anything about multi-tiers, Hey, it's, that's really bad, right? Like you don't want clients send SQL code that goes straight to the database because that means you're bypassing all the logic on the middle tier. Um, and that's the, and that's really the case. But the thing is, we, we have a feature we call DA SQL is where we can take, you can, you can write SQL on the client side and then on the middle tier, we take the SQL apart and process it against the actual stuff you decided to expose and against the actual business logic and then, then build a proper SQL to run on the backend server uh, to run the real request. So, so the benefit is you get the full flexibility of SQL on the client side, but you don't really have any of the security implications that, that you get if, 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 you, if you were to just completely pass the SQL code through to the backend database. Yeah, even my mom who just walked into the room says, no way, you, we, you cannot allow just uh, SQL injection attacks. Even she knows that. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's this great XKCD comic, right? <laughs> uh, John, I don't believe you. Uh, it, it, it is actually true that I'm on. I, I believe him, yeah. I, mean, I, know, she, I believe you, mum walked into the room, but I don't believe she said that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe she was far more interested in what type of protocols these things walk, work, work over. But there we are. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks, Mark, for coming on in and telling us about it. And now, um, hopefully, um, you know, uh, from now on, when we do your sponsorship slots, we'll do a better job because we can actually tell people what it really is. Um, I'm just going to be up front here. I've been um, uh, looking at the REM object stuff and we are trying to implement a system here uh, using it at the moment. So um, uh, it's, uh, yeah, as I'm learning it, it's too early now, but I'm going to do a blog post and we'll do a, a feedback as we go along. And um, a warts and all, just because they sponsor us, doesn't mean to keep my mouth shut, uh, a stuff. And so hopefully it'll give you some new user, uh, a new user um, representation of uh, using some of the REM object stuff in a, yeah, you know, I'll give it a couple of months to just, you know, be able to look back and see how I progressed and all that sort of stuff. So uh, we'll uh, keep people posted. 
Yeah, actually, maybe one more thing to say now. Since 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 you mentioned like getting getting into this, I mean, as before, as before, I mean, this really isn't something where you can just I don't know, you install it and like after five minutes everything is clear and you get the application up and running, right? I mean, there, there is a certain certain learning curve that just comes natural with with this sort of thing. So you really like do give it a little time and like if if you try this out, I don't know, explore the APIs, like look at the documentation and. There's a little bit to learn, but it's it's really worth it once you once you get into it. That's uh, that's great. Right, um, we'll put all the uh, links in the show notes to the REM object stuff. Uh, just one quick question, Mark. You said it was a subscription, so that gets you. Is that the same price every single year, or is that just the first year? Then it gets a bit cheaper, or how, how does the subscription work? Well, actually, that, that's that's the first year, and renewal is fifty uh, percent of the price. Okay, that's. Uh, uh, and, and again, an important point is so subscription doesn't mean that your product expires, right? So it's not like you built this thing and then like after a year, you got to keep paying us so it's keep, it keeps working. Basically, the subscription is for free updates for the year after you buy. And then if, if you don't renew, you don't get further updates, obviously, but your product keeps working forever without you ever paying us another dime. How about free beer at the WCC uh, Beer Bash that you purchase for people who buy? <laughs> yeah, everybody gets free beer at the Beer Bash from me, okay. say. That's because you actually go to the table and get it for them, is what you mean. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't say that. I, I come along with them and say, hey, give this guy a free beer, will you? And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's even worse. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, um, and just obviously since I've got, got your stuff recently, uh, am I right in saying that you do sort of um, seasonal, I, I don't know how to, what to call it, so maybe you know what I mean, don't mean, uh, seasonal releases as opposed to just being, a, you know, you'll, you'll do a summer release or a fall release. Is that, is that the way you work? Right. Yeah. So, 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 so basically, we try to put out uh, a, a big release once every three months, and I mean that includes bug fixes and includes sometimes big features, sometimes small features, sometimes no features and just bug fixes. But basically, we we try to keep the product fresh and and, and release a new re- have a new release every three months. Okay. And that, that goes across the entire uh, range of products for the different platforms as well. And are you pretty good at keeping all the platforms in sync with features, or, or, or are they a bit, bit different? And you know, because if I was trying to do this across different platforms, should I expect all the same stuff in in each platform? Well, they're, they're, they're definitely in sync in terms of working with each other, and 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 they're they're, they're in sync in terms of like like how the basic architecture works. Like you got the we got the data adapter. That's sort of your central hub. That that's the same on all five platforms, and then you got the, the data tables. I mean, they work slightly different on, say, Delphi or .NET because you got, you got Link on .NET, which like gives you different ways to talk to data. But 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 but, but the same. But the principles are the same. Um, with features, I mean, sort of like the, the core features are the same on all the platforms. But we we do have quite a bit of like features specific to different platforms as well. So it's not like really. Every single feature is exactly the same on all the platforms. I mean, there's there's things we might like implement first on Xcode, and then like half a year later we, we bring them to .NET or the other way around. Right. Okay. So some things get released in different ways in, in that. Okay, that's great, John. You got anything else you need to ask, or should we move on? No, I, I think that that that's good. Right. Well, um, I think we're going to sort of uh, begin to bring. Oh wow, we've been running an hour. That's uh, yeah. really gone fast. I didn't. I didn't realize that, John. And you must be about ready to go to sleep. So that's it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wrap the show up. I'm not gonna. Um, gonna do uh, too much else other than to say, um, please uh, go and check out the um, iDeveloperTV.iDeveloper.tv uh, uh, slash NS Conference webpage uh, later this week, or sign up to our mailing list on the iDeveloper.tv website. Or, um, or follow um, at NSConf because the NSConf mini announcements and uh, web pages will be going live later this week. In fact, if you're downloading this off the feeds, then they might already be live. And um, rather than waffle on about them now, you can um, go and see what's coming next for NS Conference. Right, uh, we're going to wrap that up. Uh, uh, Mark, just remind us um, where people can find out about you. Follow you on Twitter, your blog if you have one, um, so that people can uh, um, can can keep in touch. Okay, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Dwarfland. That's Dwarfland. Um, and as for blogs, I don't have a personal blog. I just write on the Remojax blog uh, with my colleagues. So just go to blogs.remojax.com. And, of course, go to remojax.com itself to, to check out our products. Um, again, we've got, free, we've got free 30-day trial versions for, for all the products. Um, so check them out. And if you have any questions or feedback or problems or anything you don't like or anything you think hey, wouldn't this be cool if this did that? Just send me an email. It's mh, from Mark Hoffman, mh at remojects.com um, or send me a message on Twitter or and let me know. 
Excellent. Thank you. And John? I'm John Fox, maker of the software Memory Miner, which you can read all about at memoryminer.com. You can follow me on Twitter as Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And uh, my name is Scotty, and you can follow me personally as MacDevNet on Twitter. You can follow everything we're doing at iDeveloperTV by following at iDeveloperTV, and you can check out lots of things going on at the iDeveloperTV slash blog and lots of other stuff. Now, next week... We're not sure if there'll be a show or not right now. John would have only just got to Amsterdam the day before, and we're not necessarily sure what his connection is going to be. And I am going to be at a developer conference, iOS Dev UK, which is in the lovely sunny Welsh town of Aberystwyth. Um, and I have no idea what data connections I'm going to have, or, or and I'm definitely not going to have the mixing desk or any of that. So um, you need to keep an eye on Twitter and uh, whatever else. If we can do a show, we'll do a show. And if we can't do a show, we won't do a show. Um, so it's as simple as that. But if we should do a show, we still do a show. That's right. So the, therefore, if you are not now confused, then I need to say that again to confuse you even more. <laughs> so, oh my word, this is so professional. So uh, we may have a show next week, um, but we may not. So there, we'll leave it at that. And now everything should be as clear as mud. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And uh, as usual, until next time, you take care. Thank you.